God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Had us a good Holy Ghost and Fire night on Friday. Praise the Lord. And uh, praise God. So here we are Sunday morning. Praise God. Been over the last, uh, well, since the year began, been talking about, uh, you know, a year of, of uh, you know, change and growth and development. Praise God. A, a transformation. And um, so last several weeks here, been talking about really just, um, you know, taking a stand when it comes time to, you know, if there's, uh, uh, you know, the enemy has been breathing into you, praise God, let's get ourselves free from that mess. Come on, right? Amen. And, and continue to let God breathe into us on a day-to-day basis. And so I've been talking uh, some things in that light. And so today we're going to go again, I'm going to do the, let's go to a, um, 2 Corinthians and 11. Let's do that. Um, every time I sit down to meditate on this some more, it seems like I get a whole bunch more jumping out at me. So the challenge has been uh, to, um, to just not get, you know, too much of a hurry, you know. And uh, otherwise, I find myself wanting to uh, talk about everything, and I can't do that, praise God. But I do have a leading for you today, and so we're going to start again in chapter 11, verse 3 and 4 here we're going to read. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 11, it says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Everybody say, by his craftiness. All right, how many know he's still doing that, right? And it says, so your minds may be corrupted. Everybody say, corrupted. Corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, everybody say a different spirit, literally means another spirit or a strange spirit, uh, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it or well take it in or accept it or receive it, okay, so that's what it means. So the point is this, is that, you know, uh, you know, if somebody came along and preached a different Jesus, we'd all say, hey, wait a minute. Or if somebody came along with a different message, different gospel message, how many know gospel means good news? So if somebody came along with a bunch of bad news, we'd say, hey, wait a minute. But, you know, we got to remember, too, that sometimes there's even a different spirit out there. Come on. And we have, you know, over the last several weeks been talking about, you know, anything from a spirit of infirmity to a spirit of bondage. Uh, you know, talking about uh, an unclean spirit, and there were times when Jesus addressed it. When there was a spirit involved, He'd address it. Anything that's ongoing, anything that's chronic, anything that's uh, continuous, you have to understand there's probably a spirit behind it. Are you still with me? Now, Jesus didn't address a spirit every time. Sometimes He just addressed the individual. Sometimes He just uh, lay hands on, pray for him. Sometimes he'd do uh, one thing or another. And uh, he, the word says that, uh, you know, he didn't say anything unless he heard the Father say it and didn't do anything unless he seen the Father uh, do it. So, uh, you know, that's what he did. But there were times, about roughly about a fourth of the time that we have record of anyway, uh, he would address a spirit uh, if it was something, like I said, ongoing or chronic. And so he'd address it and take authority over it. And when he did that, praise God, guess what? All of a sudden, things begin to flow and work. Come on, right? 
It's no different than you and me. Sometimes we're sitting here making our confessions of faith and, you know, we've been praying, we've been believing, and we're not seeing something, uh, you know, uh, working or flowing like it should. There could be a good chance there might be something behind it. Come on now. Something that's driving this thing. And uh, so uh, we need to take authority over it. Everybody say, take authority over it. Hallelujah. How many of you all been given authority and dominion? Come on, praise God as children of God. Amen. There's nothing to be afraid of, and there's nothing to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, to turn your back on or ignore. I mean, you deal with this stuff, and sometimes just take a stand and say, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I take authority over that unclean thing in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. And begin to move forward. You might watch. I mean, you might be amazed, I should say, how fast things begin to shift and roll when you do that. I've had many a testimony already of folks in the house, praise God, since we've been starting. We started on this series a few weeks back. I've already had breakthroughs because they just made a decision to address something, amen, that they didn't realize was there. I mean, there was a whole lot more spiritual activity going on than you think. Amen. How many believe in there's a heaven? How many believe there's a hell? How many believe there's angels? And how many believe there's demons? It's out there. Now, we don't sit around and give, it any, you know, give the enemy any kind, of, uh, uh, you know, any kind of credit or anything like that, but you just, have to be, you just have to understand the word says don't be ignorant of how the enemy operates, all right? So that don't mean we give him place. It just means you take authority so he doesn't have place. Come on now. And that's the way it should be, praise God. So anyway, we've uh, been talking about different things. Last week, we talked some things about, about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's a good thing. Come on, right? So if we're going to have something breathe into us, praise God, it ought to be the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen. Now let me give a definition of the word spirit because we've done that every week. And uh, for those that maybe wonder why I keep talking about having God breathe into you. Well, the word spirit, pneuma, is the Greek word. And it means a current of air, breath, movement of air, blast, breeze, or wind. Okay. It also defines it as a vital principle, that which is crucial to have. Right. In other words, without the spirit, the body is done. Scriptures are pretty clear about that. Amen. All right. But it also means mental disposition, which is something we're going to touch on a little bit today about a mindset. All right. And that's what it's about. So anytime uh, there's a spirit, amen, it has, it comes with it, praise God, a mental disposition or a mindset. All right. Now, this word spirit refers to everything from angelic, demonic, or human. Anytime you look up, anytime you're reading through it, and you'll see times where it's, it def, you know, through the scripture, you can see that it defines it's talking about the Holy Spirit, or it might be talking about your spirit, or it might be talking about a demonic spirit, or an evil spirit, or an unclean spirit, all right? It usually, it's usually going to define it, and so you're going to know what type of spirit. Now, the reason that we were kind of hammering on this is because a spirit works the same way, whether it's angelic, demonic, or human. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's by a breath. Amen. Come on. Everything's been given a level of influence. That demonic uh, oppression or a demonic spirit, come on, has been breathing into somebody. Come on, somebody. It gained somehow, some, gained some kind of influence in their life to the point that now it's dictating till now it becomes literally a stronghold in their life. That doesn't mean that they're... Uh, demonically possessed, come on, and spitting out green goo, but it does mean that there is a thing called oppression, and you can have oppression as a Christian. That's a fact. 
All right? It can happen. And so uh, there are things sometimes that need to be addressed. Amen. The Spirit of God, when you let the Spirit of God breathe on you, the idea is to let God have influence in your life. Amen. From the garden on, God has been wanting to breathe the breath of life into mankind. Amen. Are you still with me? He's still wanting to do that. Amen. He still wants influence in your life. And as we found out last week, the way that works is by you acknowledging Him, by you giving recognition, give Him time, amen, by acknowledging Him once in a while, amen, taking some time on a day-to-day basis and throughout your day to just stop and acknowledge God. Give God a place to breathe into you, praise God. He'll never force Himself on anybody. Amen. Now, we might all in our own heart, you know, say, God, you can interrupt me anytime you want to. All right. But then we go on with life and never do acknowledge him. That kind of just just seemed like it just went out there and blew up and (laughs) fell apart right there. It's the facts. Uh, We go along and, 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 you know, if somebody said, well, let's let God. Well, yeah, well, God can say anything he wants to me. Well, you know, you're too busy. Uh, God probably has been trying to talk to you. Your whole life is, you're caught up in life. Come on, somebody. Did you stop? Did you pause long enough to acknowledge God and let Him breathe into you? Well, anyway, praise God. So, um, again, we're going to talk some more about some of this. And so, with that said, um, we are going to go back to chapter 10 here. <clears throat> uh, about 1 o'clock this morning, I got woke up and... Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, depending on what's going on, you know, you just, you, you know, you, you know, it may not be God that wakes you up. You know, it might just be the caffeine. But uh, when I, when I uh, get up and I know that I have no, I'm not tired. I know that I'm, something's going on. And so, uh, you know, uh, the Spirit of God began to talk to me this morning early and, and um, so, uh, I had my game plan. I had something else I was going to do, uh, but it got changed. And I guess, you know, he's boss, so we do what he says. Amen. It seems to work better when we follow him. And at least I always found that to be true. Um, but anyway, so we're going to go back to chapter 10 for a few minutes and take a look at this. A common text, but maybe let's hear this in the light of, of what we're talking about, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Now, remember... In fact, I tell you what, um, Kelly, let's go back to chapter 11 and verse 3 again, and then we'll jump into chapter 10, all right? Let's read it again. It said, I fear lest how, uh, somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, everybody say, by his craftiness. Okay, by his craftiness. Okay, this craftiness, uh, adroitness, which means skillful handling, cunning, sophistry, which means false or deceptive reasoning. So in other words, through mental manipulation. Okay, he's really good. The enemy is really good at manipulating. Okay, at mental manipulation. How many know that's where the warfare is, is in the mind? And if he can convince you, see, remember, every spirit has a, has a mental disposition, has a mindset. All right? And uh, if, we're, if somehow or another we're letting the enemy, uh, you know, ride in on the coattails of a thought, come on, somebody, then he, he kind of wants to set up shop. You know, he's a squatter. He's a squatter. 
he'll slide in kind of through a deceptive way, through mental manipulation. He kind of find a little place to reside and kind of hang there and then just keep breathing into you. Come on, somebody. That's what he wants to do. Now, the idea is then he wants to set up shop to where he starts having what, what the word calls a stronghold. All right? And once he sets up a stronghold, all right, now it's going to take some authority and dominion to get that sucker out of there. And it's going to take really some discipline on your part to get it done. Are you still with me? And a lot of times this stuff happens. It's just so, it's just so subtle. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks back about how really it really operates a lot of times through emotion. When you, uh, because emotion is all about, you know, it taps that soul realm. So you get caught up in emotion. You get angry about something or you get depressed about something or get sad. I mean, I mean, it's amazing the kind of emotions that, you know, he can just kind of slide in on the coattails of that and just come in pretty soon. That's all you're meditating on. That's all you're thinking about. And what he does that whole time, see, he's breathing into you and trying to basically set up shop. Are you still with me? Now, I said that for this reason. Now, go back to chapter 11 because, uh, you know, it says that, you know, it's through the mind. That verse says it's also, you know, it's through the mind. He comes to deceive through the mind. Okay, so let's look at verse uh, 3 of chapter 10 now. And it says, for though we walk in the flesh. In other words, we're, you know, we're a natural body. You know, we live on planet Earth. How I many you got to have a natural body to function on planet Earth? Come on, really? Um, so... Uh, you know, one day, you know, your, uh, you know, your, your spirit man, uh, you know, uh, checks out and like, a, and like an old suit jacket, it falls off, that old body falls off. And, uh, you know, your, the word says to be absent from this body then means to be present with the Lord. Am I right? But while you're here, you got to function with a body. All right. And so though we walk in the flesh, it says, but we don't what? War according to the flesh. Okay, because sometimes that's what happens. We get all caught up with things, and this is where that mental manipulation comes. He gets you all caught up in whatever it is, and pretty soon you're trying everything under the sun and the natural to try to fix something. Now, remember in the very beginning of this series, we brought out how when Jesus was in the boat sleeping and the boys are bailing water. Hello, somebody. All right. And the word said a mega storm came, right? All right. And then Jesus, when they woke him up, Jesus then, the word says, rebuked the wind. He rebuked the source. Okay? And then told the, the sea to calm, to be calmer, to hush. All right? But first, he rebuked the wind because it was a demonic situation. So it said it went from a mega storm to a mega calm. While everybody else was doing something in the natural, they're bailing water just trying to survive. And because of that, you know, they think, you know, Jesus, what's his problem, man? Why don't he wake up and take care of this? Now, to me, that's significant because there's a lot of Christians doing the same thing every day. Yelling out for God to do something. Come on, the whole time, it's just a storm that you got to deal with, and there's probably something behind it. Now, he rebukes it. Of course, what happens, there comes a calm. The next scene then, he goes in uh, to the, uh, the, the, by the tombs of the Gadarenes and this demonic, uh, this person that's possessed of a spirit. Actually, we know uh, by Scripture, the Word says his name was Legion. So many spirits, come on, for we are many. Uh, but Jesus addressed it. Come on, somebody. Everybody else is trying to shackle him. 
Everybody else was trying to tame him, it said. Everybody else was trying natural things to take authority or to somehow deal with this thing. Jesus comes along and just speaks to it, rebukes it, and it's done. Are you still with me? Now, everybody said, well, that's Jesus. Of course, you know, spirits obey him. No, Jesus said he gave his disciples the same authority. That's why he got upset with them when they didn't handle the wind, by the way. All right. And so he gave us authority uh, uh, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. Why? Because you've been given authority and dominion. In fact, when he ascended, he said, listen, he said, all authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and earth. Now I, I turn it, I give it to you, and you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and teaching them to what? To do or to follow all the things I've taught you to do. Amen. So we can't go, you know, we're not going to get to heaven someday and say, well, Lord, I just don't understand why, why we, we couldn't handle something or why this thing kept going on. He said, listen, I gave you authority. Take authority over it. Now, sometimes, as I said earlier, and I'm going to say it again, sometimes I think we overcomplicate everything. We think it's, you know, well, you know, you, you know, when, 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 the, when Jesus asked that, the only time he did, he asked that, that uh, demon-possessed man, he said, what, what's your name? He said, legion, for we are many. That's what the Spirit said. Okay. Now, he didn't even address it by that name. It never, he didn't even, Jesus didn't even address him. He just, no, I think the only reason he did that is just to prove to you it doesn't matter whether we're dealing with one thing or many. That was for our benefit, not his. Come on, somebody. And the point being is this. It doesn't matter how big. Come on. It doesn't matter how much, what's going on in your life. All you need to do is stop and take authority over it. Take a stand. Amen. Stop looking at some things like they're so big that there's, you can't do anything about it. In the meantime, we're ignoring it or we're somehow sweeping it under the rug and letting it continue to gain ground in our lives. And we try to do everything else in a natural sense to try to fix it or to somehow uh, compensate for it or somehow, uh, you know, somehow appease or somehow uh, cope or something like that. And the whole time, the enemy just keeps taking ground. But once somebody will stop and say, I address you, you foul, unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. You might be amazed how all of a sudden it begins to go, amen, and now you got some freedom, praise God, to roll forward, praise God. I'm telling you, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that we deal with we don't have to be dealing with. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Let's get back to that verse again. Amen. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Come on. So let's go to verse 4 now. Thank you, Kelly. For the weapons, everybody say weapons, because we do have weapons, by the way, the weapons of our warfare. How many know there's a war going on? There's a war. Now, it ain't, it ain't complicated, but you have to understand there is warfare going on. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, come on, but they're mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds. It just means that which has been fortified. So obviously, this here is dealing with something that's been there a while. It's now fortified. 
It's been going on a while, all right? Now, I mean, know oh, there's weapons. Let's maybe just a real brief, maybe talk about some weapons, okay? Now, there's all kinds of weapons. Um, the, the Word of God's your weapon, right? Becomes the sword of the Spirit, the Word says. Um, the, uh, the name of Jesus becomes a weapon. The Word says, what you ask in His name shall be done. Come on, somebody. Uh, we could go, the grace of God, that divine influence can, can come on the scene, amen, and give you insight to handle something. The grace of God could be there, praise God. The wisdom of God, come on, uh, how to apply wisdom in certain areas of your life can come on. It could be a weapon of warfare, praise God. Um, we got, uh, you know, there's just, there's multiple things through the word, amen, that we find out become weapons on our behalf. How about the armor of God itself? becomes, in a, you know, that's, that's a part of your weaponry, praise God. So we got all kinds of things at our disposal, amen, to help out. So the point I'm trying to make is that when you begin to take a stand, amen, all of a sudden, I believe the Spirit of God, as like we found out last week, can breathe into you wisdom and revelation about something to show you how to handle something, how to deal with something, so you're not trying to handle everything by the natural. Now, he may give you a leading in to do something by the natural. That could be, right? But instead of just always bailing water all the time, let's get a word from God, amen? So if God says, yeah, this would be a good time to bail, amen, you do it, right? Okay, I'll try something else, amen. Are you hearing me today? But I found that the most of the time, God will just give you a quick word, show you what to do, what to, what to pray, what to declare, What's the next step? Praise God. And all of a sudden, you got your victory. Praise the Lord. Because He always leads us in triumph. Okay, well, anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But anyway, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Okay, verse 5. Casting down. Casting down. That means literally means uh, to lower with violence. Okay. Casting down arguments, the New King James says, uh, imaginations, reasonings, okay, um, because a lot of times that's what happens. You know, the enemy, like I said, through mental, uh, you know, this mental uh, deception that he does, uh, part of it is he gets you to start reasoning everything. Okay, I'll get, maybe get to that here in a minute. All right, casting down arguments. And then every high thing that tries then to lift itself or exalt itself against the ways of God, the word of God, the knowledge of God. This word here is gnosis, okay, which is different than the word we saw, found last week, which is uh, epignosis, okay, so it's a little different word. This word literally does mean knowledge or insight or information, okay? So ways, the God, how God does, how God thinks. So these things are trying now to exalt itself above, trying to lift itself above God's ways, all right? But it says, here's how it works. By bringing every thought, everybody say every thought. Every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, which means, praise God, that you grab every thought and literally you hold it up, take a look at it, you got it in captivity right now until you make a decision whether that should be something I think about or not. Right. Now, it says every thought. It says bringing every thought into captivity, which means that you can. Right. Now, somebody says, well, that's kind of hard to do, man. I think a lot of thoughts. Well, I'm sure you do. 
And that could be part of our problem. Are you hearing me? All right. But it says bringing every thought into captivity, which means that we can. Now, it just takes some discipline is all. All right. Now, I'm going to show you a couple reasons why we want to do that. But bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, in verse 6 then says, and then being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, when you take that thought into captivity and you make a decision, you know, that is not something I need to be thinking about. So you cast that thing down like the Word says. Amen. But now you're ready that any time that thought tries to creep in again, because it will, you still take authority over it, and it says being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, which means it's a little, that's part of the warfare. Amen. Take authority over those thoughts. Well, I'm offended. Well, that's, that's on you, not him or anybody else. You're taking a thought. You made a decision you want to be offended. Well, I'm depressed. Well, you made a decision you want to be depressed. Now, you, you know, might have done that long enough to the point that now we got a stronghold here and this enemy just keeps on breathing into you. But we can get free from it. I said we can get free from it. And you're going to have to take authority over this stuff and be quick to deal with it, praise God. When that thought comes again, cast it down, praise God. Let's go back up to verse 5 again. Okay, verse 5 again says this. Uh, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, now uh, I just got a. Uh, we've spent a lot of lot of services dealing with this, talking about uh, the mind, the renewing of the mind, and and, and taking authority over every thought. And and uh, but there's a reason why we do this because that's the avenue that the enemy comes in. That's the avenue that the enemy breathes. Hallelujah into your life. Are you hearing me? That's the avenue. Praise God. So when you sit there and you chew on stuff, you meditate on something you got no business meditating on, he just keeps breathing. He just keeps breathing into you till you take authority over it. A lot of people go to an early grave because of this mess. A lot of folks have, have emotional problems because of this mess. A lot of people have, have mental problems. Have, have, a lot of people have physical problems. A lot of people have, have uh, uh, you know, marital problems. A lot of people have family problems. A lot of people have financial problems. All because some little imp from hell has been breathing into you. Now, we either got to believe that there's spiritual activity going on around us or we're deceived. There's too many things that the Word talks about that we have to deal with that most people never deal with. And they go on, and then they get mad and upset. Uh, they get mad about, you know, God, why God ain't handling something or taking care of something. When the whole time God says, you handle it. I gave you authority. Do it. You deal with it. You rebuke it. You take a stand. Amen. So, anyway... Bringing every thought into captivity. Now, this is kind of what some of the stuff the Spirit of God began to talk to me today or earlier this morning about. Uh, but when you begin to uh, take every thought captive, there's something that begins to happen. You can begin to track the train. And if you get disciplined enough and you get honest enough with yourself and with God, 
You can begin to determine whether that thing is something that's demonic and demonically inspired or not. When something is constant, if that thought, every time you go to thinking about an individual and this thing comes up, or every time you, it's something, you know, spark, and it reminds you of this, and that's the thought that keeps coming up, there's chances are there's something trying to breathe into you there. Are you still with me? And I had something not good. Still with me? That tells you something. You can deal with that then. You know it's a spirit behind it. Are you still with me? Now, another thing, last week we touched on, and I think, I think we'll go there. Let's, let's go ahead and go to Ephesians 1 real quick. Go to Ephesians 1. Because um, there's another thing that happens when you begin to acknowledge him, it changes the thought. This is why last week we began to talk about, we read more of this, but let's just look at verse, I think I'm going to go from verse 17 down to 19. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, look at this, a different spirit, right? A spirit of wisdom, all right? We talked about defined wisdom last week and revelation. We defined that last week in the knowledge. And that word knowledge, a different word, that means acknowledgement, okay, or the recognition of. So what he's saying is that every time you stop and give recognition or acknowledge him, you give him opportunity to breathe into you. In this case, he's talking about a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word wisdom again, let's go ahead and give it to you. The word wisdom means the ability to live life skillfully. In other words, no matter what's going on, God can breathe into you wisdom so you know what to do in the midst of anything. Are you still with me? You might have a lot on your plate right now. You may feel like, man, life is going crazy. You may feel this world around me has gone nuts. You may say all this stuff's happening. God says, no matter, let me breathe in. I'll show you how to walk right on through all this. Do you know the scripture even tells you uh, in, in, in Psalms 91, where a lot of times we use that as our protection psalm, you know, and uh, talks about the angels of God and everything. But it also says that he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, which means the enemy. In other words, every time the enemy sets up a trap, if you're letting God breathe into you every day, God will just steer you around all that mess. You don't have to fall prey to the enemy. Come on. Now, you might be saying, listen, I've already fallen prey. I'm in the trap. Get me out. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. Get me out of here, right? Come on, right? Anybody ever been there? Well, God says, hey, no, pro- no problem. Let me breathe in you. Let me give you some wisdom how to get out of that mess. Praise God. Amen. All right. And then the word revelation. All right. The word revelation just means to expose or reveal something, to pull the cover back to show you things, to bring into view, or to cause you to see something. Praise God. Because sometimes, that's all you need to do is just see it. Listen, if you can see what the average man will never see, you can do what the average man will never do. If you can see what the average man will never see, you you can walk out things that the average man will never be able to do. But when God's showing you things, praise God, you'll be amazed at how successful you can be. See, that's what, that's exactly, this right here is exactly what was breathing into Jesus every time he got alone with God. The spirit of wisdom and revelation was constantly breathing into him. That's how he could hear, come on, what he needed to say and see what he needed to, how did he see it? 
through the eyes of his understanding. Next verse, right? Amen. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In other words, made to see. How many know you got some inner eyes? You got these physical eyes. The word said he's made your eyes to see. And I don't believe he's just talking about natural eyes. Amen. I believe he's talking about these eyes, eyes of your understanding. He's made your eyes to see. Amen. So the eyes of your understanding being, are being made to, to see something, being enlightened, praise God. Why? So that you can know some things. In this case, he lists a few things, the hope of his calling, amen, that expectation of that invitation uh, that he's given us, amen. How many know that you're all accepted? That's what he's referring to. What are the riches of, or the wealth of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, which is you and me? You are his inheritance, and he wants you to understand your value. Come on, listen, if you know, amen, who you are in Him and you know your value to God, it starts shifting all kinds of things. All of a sudden, you're seeing something the normal person ain't seeing. And then it talks about the next verse, 19, about what is the exceeding, what you'd also know the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. Any believers in the house? Well, that power's towards you, and he defines that power as that which is according to his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's towards you right now. And if you can see that, if you can come into a place where the eyes of your understanding are seeing who you are, seeing your value to him, and seeing the power that's available to you, you ain't going to sit around boo-hooing. You ain't going to sit around whining. You ain't going to sit around letting the devil keep taking it advantage of you. You're going to stand up in who you are and say, hey, enough's enough. Listen, I, I, I don't know. Maybe some of you would. I don't know. But if somebody came in my house, tried to take something. Come on now. You know. What you doing in my house? Uh, I'm supposed to be here. No, no, you're not. I probably wouldn't even stop to ask him a question. Now, in the natural, that's how we'd handle things. Come on. You'd take your authority, your dominion, in whatever way that you could. There's even a few of you ladies. He'd probably go buy a, grab a ball bat or something. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> but I'm just saying in the natural, we'd handle it. But see, he says, see, if the eyes of your understanding are enlightened, what happens is you start seeing not only who you are, but what you're up against. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. So he sees something and knows. How many believe Jesus was successful all he did? Now, I know I bring this up quite a bit, but, you know, sometimes I think we, we overcomplicate everything. You know, there were certain places Jesus didn't go. There were certain times he'd minister to one person, and even though everybody else around him was just as sick or just as, had just as many problems, and he'd walk right back out of that situation after ministering to one. There were times he went in and ministered to them all, it says. There were times, amen, that he, uh, you know, he'd lay hands on them and pray. There were times he'd just speak to them, say, pick up your bed and walk. There are times he spit on the ground, roll a mud ball, smear it in their face. Somebody says, ooh. Well, we only know really one time he did that. 
Come on. But he did it, and that person was made well. So how did he know to do all that stuff? He saw something. Right? He saw something. All right? How did he know to, to minister and feed the masses? I mean, he had people thronging him all the time. He didn't stop every breakfast, lunch, and dinner to feed everybody. But there were times that he did and made it clear it wasn't because they were near a grocery store. Or McDonald's. Hello, somebody. Huh? Made it clear. Let's feed them. What do we got? Well, this is what we got. No problem. Sit them all down. He'd bless it, turn it, hand it, and the food would multiply in the hands of the disciples as they handed it out. Phenomenal miracles, right? But it didn't have, he didn't do that every time. The point is, he was successful because he followed when he was led. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He would hear when he knew, he knew how to, the word even says, talks about, he would operate out of discernment, amen, of knowing when to say, when not to say. Wow. Well, that was Jesus. No, Jesus said, the same authority you have. But you've got to also be disciplined enough to be led. And one of those things is going to have to happen by us taking every thought captive. And if we're struggling in something, then let's stop and acknowledge Him and give Him a place to breathe in us and show us what needs to happen and what needs to be done. And sometimes He may just literally tell you, you're dealing with a spirit of whatever. Deal with it. And you just take authority over it. And it ain't complicated. We don't have to strain at it. But you do have to handle it. Does anybody hear me? Okay, am I boring you today? All right. So... Where are we at here? We're in Ephesians. Is that where we're at? So um, let's see here. So let's now shift to Matthew. Go to Matthew. Let's see if we can uh, finish it here out of Matthew 16. See some of this in operation. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, verse 13, okay? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And what's the, what's the word out there? What's the rumors? What's the talk? And they said, well, you know, some say uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, you know, talking about, you know, maybe reincarnated or something, you know. And he said to them, but uh, who do you say that I am? So he's talking to his disciples. You know, what's... Who am I to you? Okay. Now, how many know he didn't always ask that? But today he did. And so Simon, Peter, you know, answered. Of course, you know, he's pretty used to, you know, being quick to answer. Huh? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're the anointed one, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
That's who revealed that. In other words, that revelation come from heaven. You're seeing something. And you got the right answer because you saw something. Still with me? All right. And he said, I also say to you that you are Peter. And that word actually is Petros, which means a stone. So he's, he's kind of making a distinction here of a name here. So yet you are a stone, but on this rock, Petra, which means boulder or, or big rock, all right? In other words, on this thing that you have, this revelation becomes literally a rock that he can build his church on. Are you still with me? But he said this, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. In other words, all of hell itself couldn't stand against a revelation from God. It ain't just this revelation, but any revelation. Now, I'm going to come back to that here in a second. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, uh, anybody have keys? You know, nowadays, it's these little pods that you go in and out of your your vehicles and stuff like that, and you can just about unlock your house with a phone and all kinds of crazy stuff. But, but, you know, old school, we still use keys. Come on, somebody. And what do keys do? Lock down doors, unlock doors, right? Okay, that's what they're there for. Okay, so keys of the kingdom of heaven, and it says, and whatever you bind, because of these keys, see, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. In other words, you've got some authority and dominion when you've got some of these keys. All right, now listen. I'm going to come back to all of this. But now let's go to verse 21. Then he, or 20, I meant. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Okay, somebody had asked me about some of that earlier today. Okay, what's the purpose of that? Well, I believe the bottom line was, amen, because everywhere he went, people thronged him all the time. The word said that his fame went throughout the land. People got everywhere. I mean, all, he couldn't hardly go anywhere without people being all around him. And sometimes what happens, that gets in the way of what God's telling him to do. Are you hearing me? When there's people mobbing you. And not everybody that mobbed him got something. Some people were just mobbing him. Some people just wanted to touch him just to say they touched him. Some people actually got something, but not everybody. Is anybody hearing me? That's a whole other sermon. But anyway, verse 21, let's get on. Because what happens? From that time, Jesus began to show. Everybody say show. Began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know the time frame here. It just says from that time. So it could be minutes. It could be a day. I don't know. We don't know. Okay, from that time, see, he began then to show them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, listen, let's back up here in this verse again. And who must go? Jesus, right? So just all we're on the same page. That he... Jesus, in other words, this was his purpose. This was his calling. Come on. This is what he was called to do, right? Now listen, this is all, I'm telling you, this, this, this all fits. Okay, so this is what he's called to do. But verse 20, verse, oh, pardon me, uh, verse uh, 22, I meant, I'm sorry. I messed you up, didn't I? Verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Saying, far be it from 
you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. You say, well, what's that mean? Jesus said, I must go do this. And now you're saying, I'm not. Verse 23. But he turned to Peter and said, Peter, stop it. I know you love me, but hey, bud, just hold my hand and we'll get through this thing together. What did he say? He addressed the source. Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense, a stumbling block to me. For you are not, here we go, mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, the point is this. Peter's going off of what seems right. Jesus, I mean, come on, man. Things are just now getting to where they need to be, man. I mean, you're, I mean, man, you're putting Pharisees in their place, and I mean, these religious leaders and these and these, uh, you know, these governmental people putting them all in their place, and man, and you're feeding the masses, and man, healing and deliverance and breakthroughs, man. We're just now getting to where we got to get to. This is great. Set up your kingdom now. Let's move forward. We're not going to let this happen to you. Jesus rebukes him, rebukes the spirit, rebukes Satan himself because the enemy will always, and I repeat, always attack your identity, attack your purpose, attack your calling. Always. It happened from the garden all the way. That's why he was so blatant with it. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. But he says, you're not mindful. Remember, he said to Peter, right? You're not mindful. In other words, you're, running, you're letting other thoughts in here. Okay, you're not taking every thought captive here. You, you obviously didn't hear a word I just said. Now, it'd be real easy to think that maybe, maybe he got a little, little arrogant because... You know, he just got the slap on the back saying he did a great job by saying the right thing earlier. And, and uh, maybe, maybe that's what happened. Maybe he thought maybe now he's, you know, he's led of God now. Because Peter had, was known to really get in a lot of trouble and put, you know, that disease, uh, foot in mouth disease thing. He, he had a lot of that going on. And uh, finally gets a good answer. And maybe he thinks now he's on, on track. And, and you, know, these, you know, he has a thought and thinks that this is it. And, you know, we're not going to let that happen. And Jesus, let it be known. Listen, dude, you got the wrong thing breathing into you. And you think it's all right. Because you're going by what seems right. That's why the scriptures are real clear that when you live by what seems right, you're going you're to end up in ruin. So we can't go by what seems right. We got to go by what is right. And the only way to get what is right is to keep letting God show us things, breathe into us, praise God, on a day-to-day -day basis. Are you still with me? All right, let's back up here in this text. Uh, let's go to like verse, uh, 
Well, let's see here. Um, verse, eight, yeah, let's do 17. We'll go ahead and do there. Verse 17 again. So Simon says the right thing here. Blessed are you. Now everybody say blessed. blessed. Now, for whatever it's worth, I think it's worthy of looking at this. Uh, the word blessed here means an empowerment. Okay, it means empowerment to succeed. So blessed are you. Uh, a lot of times we might throw that word around a lot. Well, blessed brother or, or you know, uh, be blessed or whatever. We might just toss that word around and, uh, you know, not really understand its significance. But it means an empowerment to succeed. Uh, Peter, you're, you're empowered to succeed by this. You have a revelation. Something has been, you've seen something. You're seeing something, amen, that's right. And based on that, it empowers you. Amen. Are you still with me? Isn't it sunny? funny how one minute you can be empowered and the next minute be rebuked? Why is that? You're not taking every thought captive. See, if Peter would have thought long enough, you know, he just got done saying he's the anointed one, the son of the living God. And you're thinking you're going to rebuke him? Dude, your thinking is off, right? Now, you know as well as I do, from hindsight, we're sitting back here, you know, kind of laughing at Peter's expense uh, because, you know, I would never do that. That Peter, what a goofball. But you know as well as I do, we've all been guilty of this mess. We've had times where, man, we've seen something, we're rolling, we've, uh, God has shown or revealed something, gave us insight, we take a right step, get success, and the next minute, fall flat on our face. Why? Because we're not taking every thought captive. And so somehow or another, the enemy still has a way in. Okay? Think about all that, that happened uh, with Peter. And just... Uh, the whole thing that happened with the garden and, and the whole time the Spirit of God, you know, Jesus is, is telling them and warning them, you know, your, your flesh is weak. Spirit's, you know, willing, but your flesh is weak. So you got to be praying. You got to be connected here. You got to let God breathe in here because you're going to need it. Oh, I'm just too tired. See, you don't see the significance of it. Sometimes the Spirit of God says, get up. Pray now. Uh, I like my pillow. Gosh, don't he understand how tired I am? Wait a minute. Is he not the Christ, the son of the living God? I mean, is he, is he not a miracle worker? Is he not still the same yesterday, today, and forever? Can he not empower you? Do you know your physical body, now, I didn't, now you hear me all the way through before you shut me off here. Your physical body can be empowered by the Spirit of God without any sleep at all. Now, I didn't say go home from here on out never sleep. Because some of you are real grumpy and you need to get some sleep. The point is, man, there are times, man, when you're just... Following God, letting God breathe in, you'd be amazed at how your physical body can be empowered just by the breath of God. Showing you something, revealing something, uh, you know, uh, giving you wisdom about something. 
Sometimes you lose sleep because you're struggling and straining and you've got all kinds of mental warfare going on because of things that are going on around you. The whole time, God has the answer. And you're wasting day after day after day wondering and stewing how the whole time, if you would just stop long enough and take that thought captive, you'd go, wait a minute. Why am I straining and struggling at this when the one that has all the answers is there ready to communicate with me and commune with me at a drop of a hat? So have we not been guilty of this? We have. Amen. So Peter, no different. I mean, one minute he gets it right. Praise the Lord. And the word says, Jesus said, okay, words in red, right? Jesus said, God revealed that to you. So it wasn't like some, you know, like, you know, rolling of a dice and he finally hit one. He literally, God did show him something. So the part, I think the thing we have to recognize is the potential for God to do that every day is, is there. Right? I mean, when he rebuked Peter, it was pretty serious. I mean, dude. So, you know, I start thinking about, you know, the boys in the boat, seeing Peter at this moment. You know, there was a couple other things, situations that happened with the team earlier on and things that happened, and he got pretty, pretty kind of in their face about some things because it comes down to this. What are you going to sit and think on? Because if you ain't thinking on the right thing, it's inevitable you're going to take a wrong step. It's inevitable you're going, to, you're going to make a choice you wish you didn't make. You know, I say this quite often. I understand. Maybe you get tired of hearing it. But the majority of the things that we need miracles for, the majority of things that we need a breakthrough through, the majority of the things that we need turned around, God to move on our behalf, could have probably been resolved months earlier if we would have just heard God. Right now, there's no condemnation. We're not here to shove condemnation at you. But I think sometimes if you just stop and go, well, you know what? If I'd have, you know, uh, the Spirit of God was actually trying to talk to me about that about six months ago, and I just kind of kept, you know, moving on with life and didn't really deal with it. And the whole time, the Spirit of God was trying to give you a direction, give you wisdom, give you, uh, show you something. Amen. Give you a picture on the inside. Open the eyes of your understanding to see something so you could handle something so you wouldn't be in the predicament you're in right now. Have you ever signed on the dotted line and wish you didn't? <laughs> Happened? You know, do you think maybe the Spirit of God was trying to say, Ooh, don't do it. Stay away. Avoid it. Some of you are going, yeah, I know he was. I just wanted it really bad. <laughs> Can anybody be that honest? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I know I probably didn't need that. I didn't really, but I just, I just had to have it. Yeah, now I'm paying for it. Come on now. How about relationships? Ooh, ow. Let's, let's skip that one. That's a, that's a tough one. We don't want to end on that. The point is, how many times is the Spirit of God trying to show us something? See, you're blessed when God's showing you something. You're empowered to succeed when God's showing you something, when God's revealing something to you. When God's able to breathe into you, amen. 
you walk in a place of empowerment. Okay, that, put that, uh, we're in uh, what verse, uh, verse, we were in what, verse 16, 17, what were we in? Let's go to verse uh, 18, okay, and he says this, and also, I also say to you, so everybody say also, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and uh, here we go, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now that word there shall not overcome it or, or shall not uh, prevail or uh, um, to literally means to, to conquer, okay, so the gates of hell will not conquer, prevail, overcome against it. So in other words, what it's talking about here is a level of authority and dominion that you'll walk in just by God showing you things. Listen, if, 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 if God, listen, if God can show you something, see, if you're seeing what the normal person isn't seeing, then you're, you're going to be able to operate on a different level than the normal person ever operate, operate on. So revelation, God's showing you, amen, we could even just go back as far as say through the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you not only, amen, walk in a place of empowerment, but you walk in a place of authority and dominion where the enemy can't, can't dictate anymore in your life. Listen, half the time, you know, the stuff that we've had to deal with in our own lives, I'm talking about personally here, dealing with the spirit, all it took was my eyes were open, I see it. Now, once I see it, it's done. Why? Because I see it. I see you, you little turkey. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. Right? That's all it took. But you might have been struggling for a year or struggling for years or struggling for a decade over something. But once you see it, bang, the gates of hell will not prevail. All right, well, let's see. That one didn't go as big as I thought. Let's try another one. Let's try 19, 16, 19 there. And I will give you keys, keys. So not only uh, have a place of, of uh, uh, you know, empowerment, not only some authority, but now it even talks about here this thing of keys of the kingdom. So what? So that whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed, amen, in heaven. See that? So in other words, all of heaven's resources are backing you up, but now you have keys. Now you know what needs to happen, what needs to be dealt with. Have you ever dealt with something in the household that's been ongoing? Okay, you deal with something in your life that's been ongoing? Sometimes all you need is a key. Ah! And now I know what I'm, I'm dealing with. And so whatever you now take, take authority or, and bind or loose, whatever it is we're dealing with, amen, all of heaven's resources are backing you up because now you're seeing something. Why? Because of a revelation, because of something God breathed into you. Still with me? Amen. So I was thinking about some of these things. Um, and, uh, you know, how many times, even in the Old Covenant, I mean, a rock in a sling, jawbone of a donkey, commanding the sun to stand still, build a wall, you know, get in a contest against the prophets of Baal, you know, a praise in a song. I mean, there's so many different ways that God used, uh, so many different avenues that God used to deal with the enemies. 
He wasn't stuck on any one thing. And so I'm thinking about so many times that we're dealing in our life with things that we're up against. Maybe some, you know, we're dealing with the ites, you know, the parasites, the parasites, the... Anyway, okay, anyway, another So all these ites are out there in our lives dealing with, and you're going along, and the whole time, amen, as God begins to show you things, God will show you how to deal with that, how to deal with that one, how to deal with this one. Sometimes you might just address it. Sometimes, literally, the Scripture even says this, in one case, leap for joy. Begin to worship and leap for joy. I used that one time, the Spirit of God spoke that to me. I was in another meeting, and uh, uh, they were reading through the Scriptures, and they got into Luke 6, and they were reading through it, and talking about something completely different. And I had been dealing with something for several years up to that point on this thing, and it just kept dogging my tracks. And all of a sudden, they read that verse in Luke 6. It says, rejoice and leap for joy. When all this keeps coming at you, rejoice and leap for joy. And the Spirit of God said, there's your answer. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, it was so loud to me, I thought everybody in the room would have heard it. But it was something he spoke to me. There's your answer. Every time that thought comes, you rejoice and you start leaping for joy. Somebody said, well, that's awful weird. I'm free. It didn't take long. It literally didn't take long. I mean, we're talking in a matter of a week, I was walking free from all of it that had been dogging my tracks for almost three full years. And it was rejoice and leap for joy. Up to that point, I was bailing water. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so it's amazing what begins to happen when you give God the time, amen, acknowledge Him, let Him breathe into you, amen. And remember, every time you acknowledge Him, whatever that thought's trying to hit you, it shifts it and changes it, amen. And you begin to give a thought toward God and let, let God, amen, control your thinking, amen. Let God dominate the mind, amen. Like he said to Peter, he says, you're, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And that's what got you in trouble. You're letting wrong thoughts dominate and dictate. So let's give God opportunity to breathe into us every day. Take every thought captive. Amen. I know a lot said there, but uh, this is how this thing works. If, uh, if, you, if the enemy can't control your thinking, then he can't keep breathing into you. And pretty soon you get clarity and direction of what you need to do. And if there's something you need to cast out or rebuke, you do it. Something you need to step out and do, you do it. Praise the Lord. Did you get something today? Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.